You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Tell It As It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am your host, as always, Griffin Youngs. Today is going to be a little bit of a different episode. We have a two-parter with an interview with the one and only Mr. Drew Livingstone talking about the expansion draft before it happened, talking about Gabe Landeskog and everything coming up with the Colorado Avalanche, but as I'm talking right now, the expansion draft has come and gone, so I will have a part two talking about what happened with the Seattle Kraken and the expansion draft and who they actually took from the Colorado Avalanche, but before we get into any of that, first a word from our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top rated sportsbook. And speaking of America, our top athletes are over in Tokyo competing for the gold. And DraftKings has a medal-worthy offer just for my listeners. Listen to this. Place any pre-event wager of $1 to be eligible to cash $100 in free credits if America wins any medal this year. That is 100 to 1 odds on an American athlete to stand on the podium and receive gold, silver, or bronze this week. 101 odds on an offer like this don't come around often, so sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook now to get in on all of the action. No matter the sport, DraftKings Sportsbook has it all. DraftKings Sportsbook is incredibly easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all of the action. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 of free free credits if America wins a medal. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 in free credits for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. So how is everybody doing? Like I said, we have a two-part episode today. In part one, we will have our interview with the one and only the amazing Mr. Drew Livingstone talking about what we expected to happen with the Seattle Kraken expansion draft, what's going on with Gabe Landeskog, and what we expect to be coming up this offseason with the Colorado Avalanche. But as you're listening to this, as you know, the Seattle expansion draft has already come and gone. As I'm recording this part right now, it is Wednesday night. The Kraken have their team. They have taken a player from the Colorado Avalanche. So in part two, we will be discussing what happened there, how I think the Kraken did, how I think the Avalanche did in the draft, and what should be coming up next as we also have the entry draft coming up in a few days. So I will do my best to give my takes on that with my limited prospect analysis, I must say, but this is going to be a long episode, so if you are here 
to listen to my interview with Drew. Stick around for the next couple seconds. It will begin momentarily. If you are here for part two, my interview with Drew was a little less than an hour or so if you want to get to that. But if you are awesome and cool and here for both, I hope you enjoy. Here is my talk with Mr. Drew Livingstone of Sportsnet. Also, there's a little bit of uh, feedback during the interview. I'm not sure what happened there, if that was like a connectivity issue, but uh, I only noticed it upon playback. But it's not your speakers. That's just part of the audio. All right. I am joined once again by a friend of the show, Mr. Drew Livingstone of Sportsnet. Drew, how are you doing today? I know the NHL has been very, very busy as of late. Yeah, I mean it's uh it's ramping up for the last week. I think after this week it'll be finally dying down and we'll have 8 weeks to breathe and uh relax. Hopefully, we'll see. Yeah, these next 10 days or so is probably going to be the, the busiest in terms of news that we've seen in a long time. The between obviously expansion, which we'll talk about, the actual draft, all the trades that are rumored to be happening once expansion's done, free agency like I said on my last episode, I might be catatonic by the time this thing all ends. I'm just going to hibernate until October. I will say, though, I do wish there was an expansion draft every single year because the chaos that happened on Saturday morning, I was like, what is going on? I I put my phone down for two hours and I pick it back up and there's like 14 trades announced. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, I was I was saying the other day, like I'm going to it's going to be boring going back to normal off seasons where it's like there's a trade maybe once every other day and then free agency and that's pretty much it until September. So yeah, I mean, I was looking, we Seattle was announced in December of 2018. We've been waiting on this thing for a long time. It really only seems like in the last month or so that things actually started to come together and we get an actual idea of what it was going to look like. Yeah, I will say I did. My favorite part about the Seattle Kraken so far was that movie trailer they released where it showed like the beast coming out when they released the Kraken being their name. That thing uh, pumped me up and I was like, Maybe I should become a Kraken fan, but no. Yeah, I mean, they, there's a there's a real chance that they could have a good team right off the bat just looking at the expansion lists and the protection lists. I would not be surprised. I mean, getting a little ahead of myself because they don't even have a team yet. I would not be surprised <laughs> if Seattle made the playoffs next season with some of the options that they have available. I mean, I will say they could – pick any 22 players to roster and their team would probably be middle of the pack because that Pacific division is absolute trash. And besides Vegas, I mean, any one of those teams can make the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, Seattle right now might be the second best team in the Pacific division. You look at all the the California teams and the mess that Calgary, Vancouver, and Edmonton are. It's, it's I a see some of the division. projections. Some of the projections already have them for 105 points before their team's even selected. And I was like, what? How is this even a thing right now? You have them second in the division without a team? Yeah. I mean, they've, they've got some solid options just looking at them on paper. I mean, obviously, the big one is Carey Price that people talk about. That's the big name that's going on with them. Do you, before we jump into anything else, do you see Seattle taking Carey Price at all? That's, that feels like just the, the quintessential question around hockey right now. No, I mean, I can't see it. You're, you're starting a team and you want to invest $10.5 million in a goalie for five years. It's just, it's not a way to build a roster. Like you, that can be competitive right away, especially, and especially when you have Chris Dreiger ready to sign for cheap. So you don't need carry really. I mean, yeah, he's better than Chris, but 
I mean, at the same time, you don't want to spend that much money on a goaltender. I mean, do you want 15 million bucks invested in your two goalies? Yeah, the Habs made the finals with that with that formula, but they also had a lot better roster up front. Yeah, yeah. I just I can't imagine wanting to to wrap a ten and a half million dollar cap hit anchor around my team's neck like the second that they're born. Like that just that seems like a recipe for a disaster. And all the the rumors of injuries floating around, like Harry Price could just show up next season and not have it anymore. And Montreal still has to pay him ten and a half million dollars. It was a smart move by Mark Bergevin to expose him because now they get to keep him and Jake Allen if Seattle obviously doesn't take price, but certainly made for a lot of interesting conversation. I both sides are very they're digging their heels in on their stances. A lot of people my want favorite, to take them. But my favorite theory so far was uh that Montreal is gonna just put Carey Price on LTIR all next season, trade for Jack Eichel, and then add was when the playoffs start surprise, Carey Price is back and we're eleven million dollars over the cap, Tampa Bay's formula. So if that happens, I'll, I'd laugh and I'd love it a little bit. Oh, I saw the same thing. And they're they're saying the same thing about Shea Weber as well. So they could have both those cap hits <laughs> off the books. They can get Eichel. I mean, they, like, who are the Sabres selling right now? They could get Eichel. They could get Olafson. Reinhardt. Reinhardt. And who else is a big fish? They could just get all of them for an extra $17 million. Yeah, I mean, hey, maybe they go get Landeskog to go with uh, Jack Eichel. It'd be a pretty cool top line. Yeah, and the Landeskog stuff. I gotta get your your take on some of that stuff with Landeskog. The rumors of him being disappointed, him being exposed to Seattle. If they want to sign him, they can just have him, and there's nothing that we can do about it. Like, what do you make of this whole situation with Landeskog and the Avalanche? And are you are you as disappointed as I am with this? Yes and no. It's a little bit of both. I mean, I understand exposing him because at the same Seattle now gets three days to talk to him about contract before the draft, and they can gauge his interest. If he's not going to sign with them, they're obviously not going to take him in the expansion drafts. It's the same thing Washington with did with Ovechkin. Everyone was freaking out, and I was like, "Relax, no one's taking Ovechkin." But Landeskog wants. He's asking for nine or ten in free agency. He says he will give Colorado a little hometown discount, but to the, to him and his camp, that's probably what eight million. And do you really want to sign Landeskog to eight times eight? I mean, I, I think I saw the offer was what, eight times six? Colorado had already offered him, and he thinks that's offensive. But, I mean, Ryan Nugent Hopkins got eight times 5.2. And, yes, Landeskog's better. $800,000 is a lot of money. If, if you want it, 6.5 or seven maybe, but even seven times eight years, it's just so much to give a guy, a guy when he's 35 years old. Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm – I'm on Sackick's side, but I want Lannis Coggins to, to stay. So I don't, I'm on the fence a little bit here. Yeah, I mean, I've just I've been really disappointed in both sides with this whole thing. With Landis Cog, he has to understand that that the money that he wants just isn't there anymore. We we live exactly. in a different world than it was two years ago before the pandemic and the flat salary cap like that. Eight to nine million just isn't there, and. For the Avalanche's part, one thing I really agree with Landeskog about, I've said this on some previous episodes, is that this contract should have been done months ago. This, in my opinion, should have been done before the season even began. I was annoyed before the season began that we're going to have the the Landeskog contract just hanging over our heads for the most part. And I think that's what Landeskog's upset about as well, that this it's even gotten to this point. And when it comes to term, I think as long as the cap hit isn't, outrageous like what he's asking for like an Anders Lee contract the seven times seven 
I can live with that. And if it gets to a point where it's just an anchor and you can't live with it anymore, there are ways to move on from it. Like the way I look at it is like, you're planning for a problem four to five years down the line, but you're trying to win now. And I just can't see how potentially having your captain walk that you've had him here ever since he was drafted and made him captain at 19. I can't see how letting him walk is going to help you get there. Yeah. I mean, what do you do if Lannis God walks? You have all this extra money, but what do you do with it? You can't go after yeah. Taylor Hall. He's probably resigning in Boston. So there's no real other top line wingers to get. People say Zach Hyman, but really you want to replace Gabriel Landeskog with Zach Hyman? No, no thank that, you. That's a solid um, replacement, if anything. It, I mean, if he wants that big money, if I'm Joe Sacking, I'm saying, you know what? You want that big number? You want $8 million? Fine. Take the eight, but you're only getting five years then. And like maybe Gabe's like, okay, fine. Even though he wants the term, if maybe the bigger number makes him take a shorter deal. It just it seems to me like Landis Cox camp is offended almost by Sack's low ball numbers and like, why wasn't this done earlier? And yeah, I just, at this point, I think he's pissed off at Colorado and he's going to go to free agency and he's going to get a big offer. And he's going to be like, Hey Joe, St. Louis offered me 8.5 million for seven years, match this or I walk. And at that point, what do you do if you're sack? You have to let him walk. I think. Yeah. For eight, like, for what you're saying, 8.5, that's a long-term deal what like what are we supposed to do about that we got to ice a team at some point we're going to be giving McCarr god knows how much money this offseason i mean high skin and got like what 8.5 McCarr is probably going to get 9.5 in my opinion we're you think he's a million dollars better than high skin i think kale McCarr is really good <laughs> i mean he is but i think people underrate how good high skin is no like, no high skin almost is as good i'm not yeah i'm not saying that he. I just think that they might look at that and all his achievements. And I think a million dollars is a fair enough difference between them. But eventually, like with Landeskog, if he's asking for that much, we got to ice a team. Like you can't have a, a Toronto situation where you got Matthews and Marner and Taveras making all that money and you've got to bring in league men guys every year. Like we're seeing there <laughs> that it doesn't work. And if we're locking a lake and at least with Toronto, those guys are young. Landis Gog's 28. Like you can't have that situation here. And for 8.5. Yeah. I think at that point you got to let him walk. If he's not willing to work with us. I mean, I wonder if he would take a short term deal. I know it'd be a slight at him, but like you want 9 million. Sure. 9 million for two seasons. Then we'll reconvene. And after when McKinnon's contracts up, we'll see if you're still worth that money. I mean, maybe that's the middle ground, but I can't see him agreeing to anything less than seven years right now because he wants to lock up. Like, this is his time to cash in. So right. I understand his side of it, but it's going to suck watching him in a Blues uniform. And I think I'm, like, leaning 70% that he's going to be St. Louis Blue as of today. I And, like, and that's going to be your team that you're going to go win a cup with, the Blues after the season they had last year and after you personally beat them like last year in the first round, that's going to be the team that you're going to go compete with. Like, okay, Landy, if that's, if that's what you want, uh, we're not going to stop you, but it's from what I've said from the beginning, like a seven times seven, I, I can live with it. If it bring, if it keeps this core together during the, the, the prime years of the McKinnon contract and gives us the best shot we can, at winning, I'm willing. I'm willing to deal with Landeskog down the line if need be. I mean, I think that's a guy that 
you just have to tolerate being maybe on a bloated contract sometime down the line. And like I said, there are ways out of it. Chicago got out of Duncan Keith in the final two years of that deal. I mean, maybe you're not trading with Ken Holland every single day, but <laughs> I, just, I think there, there are ways out. The seven times seven, I like it, but I think Gabe wants more than that. I think that's to him, that's a low ball offer. Anything under 8 million for seven years, give it to him. Anything over eight, I'm sorry, Gabe, that's too much. Yeah. And it sucks to see him walk for nothing. Like I almost, hopefully, yeah, I don't know. Like maybe he'll agree to a sign and trade. I just don't see, I don't know. It's going to be very telling the next week what happens with the Colorado Avalanche because without Landis Gog, their outlook for next season is a lot different, especially if they're going to lose Comper or Donskoy most likely in this draft. And that four group's blown up. And yeah, I just don't see how this is anything good. Like maybe someone takes on Eric Johnson's contract for a second round pick and that opens up more money. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a way that in 10 days, the avalanche look completely different than the team that won literally the president's trophy last year. And is as of right now, the odds on favorite to win the Stanley cup. I mean, you just even think about all the cap space that could be getting cleared from that just to even be positive a little bit for a second. You don't re-sign Landis Gog. You keep the, the seven, seven and a half that would have gone on. Don Scoy for just say him is just about four millions off the books. Ryan Graves full hit off the books, and if well, if Eric Johnson somehow gets off the books, I mean you can work with that. You can build a real solid team out of that. But I just what do you spend it on? That's the yeah, thing. Exactly. That's what, that's what I was gonna say. What do you spend it on? Because you can replace Landis Gog on the ice, but that's your captain. Like that's a that's a captain who's really just the glue in that room. Who's held this team together through the, the worst of times. Like there, it was not that long ago. The avalanche were the worst team in the league by a, a mile. And Landis <laughs> sat through that pile of shit with them all together. And now here they are and ready to compete for cups two seasons into that. He walks. I in, even if McKinnon's captain after that, that's, it's not the same. It's I just, I can't see how that would work. Even if you bring in a, I don't even I don't even know who you'd bring in at that point. There's a, there's options, but like you said, what do you spend that money I'm, on? I'm assuming that if Lance walks, then Brandon Sod agrees to a contract extension. I but hope I mean, so. If Sod's on the top line with McKinnon and Ranton, and sure, that's a good first line. But then, who's playing wing on the second line with Kadri and Burakovsky? And at, and both those guys' contracts are up next season, so like this could be the end of the Abs window if they don't start winning real soon. And having Lance walk is not good for business or winning. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of scary how much the thought of the the Winnipeg Jets just popped in my mind. 2018, their oh, their their windows open forever. These guys are forever contenders. And two seasons later, their windows shut, and now Line A is gone, and yeah, like that whole mess there. What you were just saying just completely made me think of that. Like I I was saying early in the season, oh, Avalanche window that's that's open for at least a decade with the team they have right now, and. If Landis Gog walks, I don't like the domino effect that could that could come with that. Because how do you replace that? I maybe on the ice, but that's like so, I said a million times. That's your captain. Even looking at their cap friendly right now, at the end of so right now they have what seven forwards signed. There, sorry, eight forwards signed. They're going to lose one in the expansion draft, which makes it seven. And then after next season, four of those seven are gone too. So you have you have three guys left that are under contract. So. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what this team looks like three years from now. So 
you know what, go all in, give Landis Cog what he wants. <laughs> I, I'm starting to change my tune on it. Like respect your captain, give him some like captain bonus, I guess. And the cap's going to go up in three years, most likely right. after this flat cap era ends with fans back in the stands. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'd almost rather let Grubauer walk than Landis Cog. As crazy as that sounds. No, I, I think I'd agree with that. I mean, from what I've seen, it seems positive on Grubauer that he might come back. I thought him getting protected. I mean, I would have protected him anyway, but the fact that there seems to be some talks that they're trying to get him under six and he wants to come back and they protected him, I think there's some positive movement on that front. But if I had to choose one, you gotta you got to take Landis Gog at that point just because everything we're saying, like that that's your guy. That's the guy you drafted a decade ago and, like, Brett is your captain all these years. It's just you can recover from Grubauer, but not from Landscog. And going back to your point of there's only what seven forwards signed right now, and four of them are up again after next season. And after that, there's only one guy left, and that's Miko Rantanen. <laughs> yeah, cause, exactly. Because then he got the McKinnon contract to deal with. So and let's let's be honest, what what number do you think that is? I'm guessing 13 million dollars. <laughs> It is bare minimum at a discount half of what, or not half, double what he makes now. It at least twelve million dollars. He is he's gonna be the the highest paid player in the league. He's gonna go above McDavid, but yeah. And he says like, oh, I'm gonna take a discount again. Like McKinnon, you didn't take a discount last time. Stop lying to you. Well, so did Landis Scott. Um, and if you're gonna take it, exactly. And you're gonna take a team friendly deal. You say okay, a team friendly for one of the best players in the league is still eleven million, twelve million dollars. So yeah. like. Uh, it's gonna be interesting for sure. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be. Uh, I mean, it can and it can be a thing as soon as next off season, right? With the extension talk with him, it better be. It better be. We're not get. We're not doing this again. We are not doing this again. <laughs> where we're getting down to the wire. Where like how long until free agency? Even like ten days or so. Where we might not have an answer on Landeskog until then. I'm not. I'm not doing this with McKinnon. Just, just wake me up when he signs. If he's not signed by the end of next season, that's going to be a disaster. Well, it's like last offseason. I was all for giving Kale McCarr eight times eight. I was like, give it to him now. People were like, oh, that's too much money. I'm like, no, it's not. Give him eight times eight. And now it's going to be eight times nine, eight times nine and a half. Um, I almost like, do you give him a bridge deal? Do RFAs don't agree to bridge deals anymore, but I would love to give him just two times 10 or whatever yeah. just to get him to his next contract. But uh yeah, I think the bridge deals ended with what? What was the last big one? PK Subban, probably. I don't even remember the last big bridge deal. I think it was. I think Line is at the end of his bridge deal right now. That one, that one didn't work out for him, so I don't think that's going to be a, a something that Makar is going to look at based on what Line just did. But yeah, and then you get the guys in Toronto where their DMs like, "Hey, we'll walk you to free agency. Sure, here's four yeah, years. Here's we'll five you. years. Five years. We'll pay. We'll worry about that when the time comes. We'll we'll win plenty of cups by then, surely." And McCarr. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot. So you think Kale McCarr should be signed for eight years? Oh, absolutely. You get you get that done. You get that out of your mind right away. You just you sign him for maybe not whatever he wants, but just about a blank check. And you get that off your mind for as long as you can. You get that guy locked up. Because if like if you do like a bridge deal for what two years. All of a sudden, you're looking at McKinnon's contract is going to be up, and then McCarr's contract is going to be like that's that's a lot of uncertainty to have on your. That's team. a thirty million dollar offseason on two. Yeah, players. that's a that's an expensive offseason. And with McCarr, you sign him for eight years, you get him for all his prime, and 
I mean, at 30 years old, if he's worth all that money, great. And like you were saying, cap's going up soon. So if it's nine, nine and a half million dollars, it's going to look better down the line. I mean, if, if it's anything above 9.1, I think that just makes him like the third highest paid defender in the league behind Carlson and Dowdy. Can, can you explain to me one thing of which came out with the protective list? People are mad at the Avs, which are probably people who aren't Colorado Avalanche fans or have watched them a lot. People are mad that they've traded Ryan Graves and protected Samuel Girard. And it blows my mind that I'm seeing those opinions because I'm like, are you guys yeah. out of your minds? Like Samuel Girard signed for $5 million for seven more years. Like that's one of the best contracts in the league. This guy was being talked about for the Norris Trophy and you're mad that they protected him over Ryan Graves. No, I was seeing the same thing like as, as soon as yesterday. Like, oh, what a huge mistake. Ryan Graves is 6'5", and Sam Gerrard, he's small, 5'10". This team's going nowhere with this guy. Sam Gerrard is 23 and is already, in my opinion, on the best contract for any defenseman in the league, $5 million until 2027. And yeah, you know, he had a bad playoff series against Vegas in the playoffs, Hasn't been great, but you know what? He's 23 still. I know it feels like he's been around forever, ever since the Duchesne trade. This is his. Four, this is going to be his fifth season with us next year. He still has room to grow. I mean, yeah, he's not going to be like a, a Jamie Alexiak or who's just going to shove people out of his way because he's a, a freak in nature. But you, I can't. I can't wrap my brain around that one. People have just picked Sam Gerrard as the guy that they hate and is the reason that they didn't beat Vegas. You're right. And I think that's beyond. I think me. people don't or have not watched Sam Gerrard play enough hockey to have those opinions, because if you watch him with the puck, he's one of the best puck movers on the team. His, his, his zone, or sorry, his zone exit passes are amazing. I mean, if, and look at the number. I mean, him and Devontae's both have unreal contracts. And like you said, like their defense is fine. There's nothing People criticize in Colorado, criticize the forward group, the lack of depth now with all the guys on sign. You can't criticize the core on defense. Sure, oh, they should be bigger. I mean, if Eric Johnson's healthy, that size question marks out the window. Right, exactly. Like with with Gerard, shoving people out of the way is not his game. And you know what? It didn't work out for him in the Vegas series. But you're you're allowed to have a bad playoff series. It happens. Ryan Graves did not play good either. Let's be honest. That just conveniently gets overlooked that Graves. I was, I was being nice to Ryan Graves in my last episode, talking about him getting traded. But the one thing I said is the final memory I'm going to have of Ryan Graves is him taking those two boneheaded shots in game five overtime that led directly to the Mark Stone goal. And you want to leave Sam Gerrard exposed in expansion and keep Ryan Graves after that because Gerard got pushed around a bit. I can't wrap my it brain makes, around that. It makes no sense. I mean, I was looking at Ryan Graves' game log. His last five games, he was a minus five. So, yeah, solid defense and one point minus five. I mean, he he was just outmatched. And let's be honest, when he came up, no one expected anything big from him when he was called up from the AHL. And all of a sudden, you paired him with Kale McCarr, and he led the league in plus minus. Yeah, a lot of guys are going to lead the league in plus minus when you're paired with one of the best defensemen in the league. So I think that goes more to how good Kale McCarr is that he was able to make Ryan Graves look that good. And, I mean, I'm fine with Gerard and Eric Johnson being the second pair next season if Eric Johnson's healthy. Yeah, I mean, I think there's still moves to come on – the defense certainly with the, the off season coming up and, and there's Ray, rumors Ryan Suter could be available. And that's I mean, what I'm I all want. for signing. Oh, him to a cheap deal. 
I am all on the Ryan Suter train. I think that's a match, especially like he's made his money. He doesn't need a big contract or anything. He's still going to get paid millions from Minnesota after that buyout. If he wants to come to a contender, is there a better spot for him than Colorado? And I mean, he hung, he hung up on his GM. Is there not a better way to, to rub it in their (laughs) face than to join the avalanche and beat them up five times a year and probably even in the playoffs? I mean, and he's probably going to take what two million dollar contract. I mean, he's getting what eleven million dollars from the buyout. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and then Dougie Hamilton, sure, he's going to be too expensive. I'm looking at the names right now on free agency for defensemen. I mean, I'd take Ian Cole back in a heartbeat if he was available. Uh, Adam Larson, maybe Savard. I'd love Savard to play in our bottom pair. There's a lot of guys. Yeah, there's definitely some good options. Like Keith Yandel got bought out by Florida. That could be an interesting addition for them but the the one i look at more than is ryan Suter. that the like once my i've got my jaw straight from him like being bought out the the shock and all from that wore off i was like i want that guy on my team now i couldn't i couldn't yeah, thank god it. we're not the minnesota wild thank god yeah that we don't have 14 million dollars of dead cap after this season for the next three years it works for them this year they got 10 million dollars but yeah i don't get that explain to me they're like oh the minnesota wild are now going to be on jack eichel Oh, what are they going to trade him in the next offseason? Because how are they going to afford him next year? I, I think they would. I think they should get Jack Eichel because that just they have the assets to pay for him. But that then you got a serious cap squeeze after that. I mean, the, yeah, they've got how how much cap space do they have right now? They got twenty six million in cap space, but that's before Fiala and Kaprizov get signed. Where's their dead cap? Yeah. Six, twelve. They got twelve million dollars in dead cap after this season, and then fourteen and fourteen million of dead cap after that. So they got three straight years of a cap crunch. If they can find a way to fit Jack Eichel in there, all the power to them. But and to it blows my mind. They're like, oh yeah, we did this because we didn't want to lose Matt Dumba. Like really, Matt Dumba's worth fifteen again? million dollars in dead cap. Yeah, that look how well that worked out for you last time, and with the Vegas draft, you gave up Alex Tuck for them for free, and now you've got. 14 million in dead cap there as well. Now that you're trying to protect him again. And Dumba's great, but they're, oh, going, for sure. through, they're going through a lot of trouble that uh, Parisi, I understand. Suter, I don't think anyone is giving me a good reason other oh, expansion draft protection. That no, and I saw that. like they're both bad in the locker room. I saw some rumors of that, but uh, I mean, look at that Jared Spurgeon deal right now. Like Samuel Gerard's the same size and better and they their contracts expire the same year and the, Sam Gerard's and taller Gerard's than 2.5 yeah. million <laughs> cheaper yeah I just I didn't even I didn't even realize that until you said I just looked at Jared Spurgeon he's 5'9 he's shorter than Sam Gerard but you don't hear about any of that he's no, the captain like of the, he's the captain of the wild but no one cares that he's 5'9 and that's probably a worse I mean that's a way worse contract oh and I think God, he's a worse yeah. defenseman and he's getting way more money so yeah he's he's Eight years older than Gerard, he's expiring at the same time, and he makes two and a half million dollars more. But please tell me about how Sam Gerard should be given away for free because he's a bum. Like <laughs> people, people complain about everything. It's sports. People love to complain, but that one, like, I can't even see the other side of that argument. Like Sam Gerard is the second best defenseman on this team, and he would be the best defenseman on a lot of other teams in the league. Do you know what I mean? Do you know how many teams would kill? To have Seattle would guy. select him in 0.5 seconds. They would have already taken him. Like if yeah. they would, they would have announced it already. We are selecting Sam Gerard. There's nothing you can do about it. 
Thanks, Joe. I mean, I, I will disagree with you in saying he's the second best defenseman because I think Devontae's is. Oh, I love because, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it's close. I mean, that's yeah, three step defenseman. Yeah. It, I, I feel like it goes like it depends on the game because they just go back and forth all the time as to who's better. With Gerard, like there's some consistency issues, but Taze is just kind of consistently always that good. Gerard just goes like that. And there's sometimes that he's better and sometimes that he's not. Fair. Yeah. And man, like we were saying, Seattle could be really, really good. What are some of the big names that you think the the Kraken could take in this upcoming expansion draft? I mean, I wanted to, I mean, Yanni Gord's a pretty obvious one. I think people are saying that they might take Pilat from the Lightning, but I mean, Gord's probably going to be their first line center going into next season. Let's all oh, yeah. be honest. He's, he's unreal. And the fact that they had to expose him, I mean, you just won back-to-back cups. So cry me river lightning fans. Um, right. I don't want to. I, I beside, exactly. Besides that, I would love them to take PK Subban just because he would be such a good first captain and hype man for them. But I doubt they want to take that cap hit. Um, Tarasenko probably going to draft him and then flip him. That's the rumor. And that's why the blues are going to have money for Landeskog, unfortunately. Um, and then I'm thinking, I'm just looking at other guys. I mean, uh, who's another big name they're probably taking? They're probably taking JVR and Mark Giordano. Those are the two other big names. They're going to be a pretty good team, man. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is like, they've got options to sustain their success for a while. It doesn't have to just be like 29 year old Tarasenko, 32 year old JVR. Like there's some, some prospects out there that they could take. Like Kiefer Bellows from the Islanders, I think is a guy they could go at. I was shocked. They left Bellows exposed. Yeah. I mean, it's up to, it's up to them if they want to like really go for it and take Everly. But with Bellows, I, I take a chance on him. There's if you develop him, right. That's, that's a guy that can work out real well. He has experience playing on their top, the Islanders top line. Like why wouldn't you take him? Yeah. And like Cole Lind in Vancouver, I mean, Vancouver's pretty barren in terms of expansion <laughs> options, but Lind, he's got some upside. Marcus Pedersen from Pittsburgh or Peterson. I never knew how to pronounce that. He's, he's signed for the next four years. I, I would, I would think Seattle would take him in a heartbeat. And like, even if they don't take Carey Price, which I doubt they will, they can, they will, they're going to sign Chris Dreger as we saw today. Capo Kakinen from Minnesota, Vitek Vanacek from Washington. Like they've got a lot of options. And this is just looking at the the lists. This doesn't factor in the trades. Like, as I was saying on my last episode, like that's what made Vegas so good. The Marcia so trade and Riley Smith and Alex Tuck and getting Shea Theodore for taking Clayton Stoner. Like that's what. Well, that's they, and they essentially just got Jared McCann from the Leafs for nothing. They're like, hey, all right, we're going to trade for Jared McCann. Let's let you take him instead of Kerfoot. Okay. Sign, sign us up. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 was, I don't really understand Toronto's plan with the expansion draft, with leaving both Kerfoot and McCann unprotected. I get they got a clear cap. But so it, that's they, they essentially traded a seventh in Hoglander to make sure that they still have a third-line center after the expansion draft. That's what I'm getting from it. So now they like, have two third-line centers available for Seattle to take, so they're going to keep one no matter who they take. Yeah, but at the, it's, the, it's the, the eight skaters that I didn't understand. Why is Justin Hall so important? that they needed to protect him and not, you could protect both Kerfoot and McCann and someone else as well. And yeah, that's, I think that's the issue is who's the seventh forward. Like you really going to waste the protection spot on Wayne Simmons. I mean, yeah. And I don't know. I don't know. I just, well, this way we're guaranteed to keep at least one of Kerfoot and McCann. Well, what if you kept them both 
and yeah, I, like, I'll, like if I'm Seattle, if I'm looking at Toronto, I'll take Jared McCann in a heartbeat. I think he's, I think he's great. I would have picked him from Pittsburgh if he was still there. And oh, he's he's better than Kerfoot for sure. He, oh, yeah. he was on a yeah. what did I see? He was on a thirty goal pace last season, and he has experience playing power play. I mean, realistically, he could be a, a step in top line left wing in the in a dire situation. Yeah, that's basically what I have him penciled in for. And with the the Penguins, they protected Jeff Carter over him as well. And I don't get the that I, Seattle should be all over that. McCann is is great. He proved himself last year in Pittsburgh. I don't I don't get this one from from both of them. Yeah, I mean, I get Jeff Carter was very good in the playoffs. I mean, even though it was short lived, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah, I would have left Carter exposed for sure if I was the Penguins and kept McCann, but I don't know. I'm very excited for Wednesday night, and we're doing a live stream Wednesday to go along with the expansion draft, which will be fun. Um, it, it'll be fun to see Dangle's live reaction to the Leafs pick. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure he'll miss Jared McCann dearly. He'll he'll put a nice tribute video. Leafs up legend. Well. Leafs legend Jared McCann. Leafs legend Phil Hollander. Traded with it was like who was it, Mike? Uh, Mike Hoffman that was taken by Florida and then flipped to San Jose right away, yeah, like that, or the other way around, other way around, other way, yeah, he was San Jose to Florida, and yeah, like, like you said with the Lightning, I have Yanni Gord getting taken, but there's there's some talks like that they should take Matthew Joseph and just leave Tampa Bay in their horrible cap situation and try to force Gord or Palat out of them that way. I think that would be very funny. And something that it, they deserve to deal with, but Yanni Gord, like that's your that's your top line center next year. I don't I don't think you you try to galaxy brain that all too much. I think you just take him. Yeah, that's the thing is like I would also love to see Tampa get stuck in their cap hell. Which I mean, even if they take Yanni Gord, they still have to make some moves. Um, but yeah, you can't pass up on a twenty nine year old first line center. I mean, he proved last year that he's just a stud. So it's going to hurt Tampa just as bad to lose Yanni Gord. Yeah, I mean. He, he was a key part for them in both cup runs. And like, I have a, I have a mock draft by the, by the time this is up, I'll have a mock draft up on fansided.com that'll have all of my picks laid out there. My big ones are Tarasenko, JVR, Max Domi, Yanni Gord uh, on defense, Mark Giordano, Marcus Pedersen, and the goaltenders. I didn't pick price. Obviously I have Chris Dreger who they're going to sign Kapkinen the Capo Kakinen and Vitek Vanacek. I mean, this is, I mean, I'm sure I'm, I'm not a GM, so I probably, I missed a few things here, but even this looks like a solid team on paper. And what's the cap hits on it? Like how much cap, cap is they on it? Uh, before signing RFAs is 18 million. So they've, they've got some room. That's so a, they that's, could trade for Jack Eichel if they wanted they to. They could trade for Jack Eichel. It's, that's the thing I always go back to this entire offseason. They've got more than 10. Jack Eichel, go get him. And yeah, that, I mean, what, they, they have second overall pick. I mean, Buffalo's licking their chops for high picks for him. So yeah, I mean, that wouldn't that be something? They get the in the weakest draft, they get number one and number two, and they miss on them both. Neither of them do they it, take Eklund. It's bound to happen by the worst run franchise in the NHL. So gotta be. We'll see. I, I hope. I just. I hope to God that happens. I mean, and that's another thing that I've barely even thought about. The entry draft is at the end of the week. I have not yeah. into it at all. I have no idea who's going who. Like I keep saying on my show, I'll get, I'll get to the entry draft. I'll do a preview show for it. But now I'm realizing the expansion draft is happening on Wednesday and 
when this episode drops on Thursday, there's not going to be another show until after the draft. It's like, I haven't even looked into it at all. It's the one draft where you could say, like, yeah, Colorado picks late, but no one knows. After the top five picks, it's just like rolling yeah. the dice because there was no junior hockey last year in most of the leagues. So it's all going off of two years ago. It, yeah. It's going to be a lot of uh, American college players taking in the first round probably more than ever just because they played last year. Yeah. And like my idea that I had, I wanted them to keep their first at the deadline, which they did. I wanted them to keep that first and just trade back with it and just get as many picks in the late rounds as possible, just inc- increase their chances of finding a guy who's going to fall through the cracks. I mean, that's, that's the only insight I have on the draft so far. Prospects are, are my blind spot. I must admit, especially in this draft, since even the professionals don't even know what the hell is going on, but exactly. And hopefully they get some, Hopefully they get some great value, like Justin Barron that fell to them last year. I mean, that was an unreal steal. So, I mean, if you can get another steal like that late in the draft, I'm all for it. Yeah, and and there's just so much stuff. Like we're talking about how different the the Avalanche could look in ten days. Like, think about how different the NHL is going to look in ten days with an entire other team and all of like the the rumor I've seen is like there's a ton of moves that are just waiting to happen until after expansion that just couldn't get done because then you'd have to protect those guys and lose someone. That 10-day stretch, I don't think I can overstate just how nuts that's going to be. That's probably going to be the craziest 10 days we'll ever see. It might even top from like the Subban, Stamkos, and Taylor Hall stuff in 30 minutes from 2016. Yeah, that was an insane day. I remember that. Uh, I have a question, though. I don't remember, like, do they announce these trades during the draft? Like, hey, we select this guy from Florida. Because I remember Riley Smith was at the draft, but we didn't know about that trade before the draft. But then he showed up in a Vegas jersey, and we were like, oh, I guess Florida gave them Riley Smith um, for taking March or so. I think it was something like that. So from, do we find out the trades during the draft? From what I remember, they for, for the ones specifically that have to do with the expansion draft, I think they announced them with the pick, from what I remember. Because there was something like with the the Islanders. They, I don't even remember the guy they took. It's... Uh, Grabowski, they took him and that was announced with their pick with the Islanders and they're getting this pick and that pick for expansion draft considering for other stuff that don't have to do with the draft. I don't think so, but at least for the ones that have to do with that pick, they do from what, from what I remember from Vegas. Right. So if we see like Seattle selects this guy and we're like, they didn't select player X because that team gave them a third round pick. Like that will be announced that on Wednesday night. Yeah, that's all. That's uh, yeah, that's going to be announced with the teams from from what I remember, at least I'm, I could be wrong on that. But if I'm remembering the the Vegas draft right, that should be the case. All right. Well, let's hope it's the same thing. And we know the order is the same as last time, just because uh, the board I saw Seattle tweet was alphabetical order for some reason, which is different than last time. Um, last time it was like, what was the Colorado than Vancouver? Not that the order means anything, but just the way they announced it. I've seen Colorado as the first team again this yeah, year. Yeah, I was I was confused by what Seattle tweeted. Apparently, Avalanche are first. Wasn't Anaheim first last time or Arizona? No, no, Colorado was. I remember Calvin Pickard was the first pick. Oh, you're totally right. Wait, but Washington was one of the last. I'm so I'm so confused by that whole thing. But it, like like you said, doesn't matter. But. I mean, it'd be nice to have the Avalanche go first just to get that out of the way. Who do you, who do you think that they're taking from the Avalanche, by the way? 
It's not not a huge think, list, especially with Graves gone. But who do you think? I think it's between Comfer and Donskoy or McDonald. Sneakily enough, people are forgetting that Jacob McDonald's available and he played very well down the stretch. Um, I think they're going to take Comfer just because centers are hard to come by, and he's a solid third and fourth line center, maybe second line going into the next season for them. Um, I would like them to take Donskoy just because the bigger cap hit off the books, but. Either way, you're losing 3.5 or 3.9 million. So I think it'll be JT. I think it's going to be Donskoy, honestly, with just really? the, the need to get a more capable winger on the wings. I mean, I looked at their centers. I did the mock drafts with Gord and Domi. Also plug like a, a Zemgis Gergensen's in there from Buffalo. With Comfer, it's weird because he's – Cat Friendly confuses me sometimes because they have him listed as mainly as a right winger in, instead of a center, but – if they're if they're hard up for centers, I can see them taking that. I'd almost prefer them to take Comfer in that contract off the books. But with Donskoy, they're at the analytics department. If they lean on that, they would probably end up taking Donskoy in that spot. Especially, it, it mean, if Donskoy's shooting percentage sustains like it has in Colorado as his career highs, that's going to be a great pick for them. I think they'll probably plug him into their their top six at least. I mean. Like we were saying, if the Avalanche are first, it'd be nice to just get that right out of the way and you don't have to, to sweat the entire time. I also hope they don't spoil the entire expansion draft like they did for Vegas. I want to at least like be surprised by some of the picks. Yeah, I don't even remember. The, did we know most of the picks before most of the draft? I remember most of them. I, I remember like as like a, a Caps fan, I knew Nate Schmidt was gone like hours before the draft from what I remember. And for most of the picks, it was like James Neal and Flurry. It was obviously they were taking Flurry, but James Neal was the big one that came out like hours before the draft. So I hope the insiders, I mean, they can't help themselves, but I hope they like at least calm down on some of the spoilers. Well, I hope that for our live stream sake, since we're live streaming the expansion draft, if we don't know all the picks beforehand, no one's going to watch. Yeah. So I, I just hope they don't spoil everything again. But like we were saying earlier, like, do you see Seattle making the playoffs right out of the gate with the Pacific Division? Because with the, with the team, at least, that I constructed, I think they will, especially they're in the perfect division for an expansion team. Yeah, this might be the worst division we've seen in probably three or four seasons in the NHL. Uh, I mean, who besides Vegas are you worried about? Edmonton? No, not worried about Edmonton. Are you worried about Calgary? No, not worried about Calgary. Uh, any of the California teams? No, not really. It's just I think they have a rivalry with Vancouver right off the bat just because of the location. And I think they make the playoffs year one. And I think they could go on a deep run in that division. If they were the two or three seed, they could easily win a round or two. Yeah. I mean, what, I, wouldn't that be one hell of a playoff series? Like in the second round, you get Vegas and Seattle as the last two expansion awesome. teams to go ahead to head. The winner goes to the, the Western Conference final. That would be a lot of fun, especially if Seattle wins. I just thought of that just now. Seattle beats Vegas as the better expansion team, they do what Vegas did to everyone else year one. That would be fun. This is going to be so we, much fun. Yeah. It's going to be so fun, but can we both agree that it's, it's absolute nonsense that Vegas gets to be exempt from this expansion draft? I hate, no, I hate that so much. Like, like I'm sure they'd find a way to like not lose a huge guy, but the fact that they can just sit on the sidelines and munch popcorn while everyone's scrambling to, to make all these moves is that's just not, I know they're not getting any expansion money, but they're Vegas. They're like a top three team in the league. Give me a break. Aren't you shocked they haven't, 
like I expected to see Vegas be like that team that's like, oh, you need to get rid of a player, come to us. You need to get rid of a player, but we saw none of that. I was absolutely shocked because if I'm Vegas, I'm taking advantage of not being exposed. Like, hey, trade us that guy for a week, give us a seventh round pick, we'll trade him back after. Just straight up, just doing stupid stuff like yeah. that. And with like with Vegas, obviously they have their own cap problems to deal with right now. Then, from what I remember, they got uh, Nolan Patrick and Brett Howden. They were the right, right, right. Yeah. What am I talking about? They just yeah, got they Nolan got Patrick. the. Yeah, and they got Brett Howden from the Rangers. From from what I understand from Rangers fans, they could not stand Brett Howden. So we'll see how Vegas reacts to him. But Nolan Patrick could be very interesting. In what Vegas. a bust, though, so far. Yeah, I mean, he's just he's had the worst of luck in his career. His rookie season seemed fine. Last year, he dealt with just migraines the entire season. Maybe there's still something there, but who knows with him. I don't know, but you're minus 30 in 52 games. That's, that's not very good. Yeah, I mean, goals. I mean – Thank God Colorado lost the lottery and got Kale McCarr out of Dude, it. Oh, my God. Like, we were upset about it at the time, but what they... well, was what? The worst team in the salary cap era? And oh, yeah. They were to- just... And it wasn't close. Like, they were the worst and team. And it just what, it didn't get first three. overall. And I was just pissed. I was so mad that day. I was like, we fell to fourth. Um, but it worked out. Yeah, that was. Yeah. It, and we're glad it ended up working out that way. I mean, he sure wouldn't be that bad. But Kale McCarr, though. That's a well. If, that's they, a, if you do yeah. a redraft, who goes first overall? It's probably oh, yeah. car. Kale. Yeah, it's funny because because we look at 2017 like oh wow it wasn't that good. The the three four five was what was it? Heiskin and McCarr and Pedersen. Like yeah, it was unreal. Yeah, it's unreal. So before we wrap up, one more question with Joe Sakic upcoming Avalanche offseason. Do you see any big moves coming? Do you see anything outside of Landeskog? Do you see anything? big up Joe Sackick's sleeve. Don't, it doesn't have to be a name. Just do you think he's do you think he's got something up his sleeve like he usually does? If Lannis Cog walks, I expect something crazy to happen. Let's be let's just say that. I mean if if Lannis Cog does not re-sign, I can absolutely see Jack Eichel being a member of the Colorado Avalanche by August 1st. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Why do I I keep forgetting who's the guy on his wing? I just totally blank Totally blank on Reinhardt. Reinhardt. Yeah. I, I keep forgetting. Even Reinhardt. Reinhardt would be awesome as well. Yeah. I think I think if Landeskog walks, that's where my mind always goes to first with getting Sam Reinhardt, have him immediately replace him on that top line. But yeah, you're completely right. If Landeskog walks, they gotta do something. They can't just be like, oh well, I guess we're trying again with Burakovsky on the, the top line or something. Now I love Burke, but here was my tentative or my fake trade that I was I put out there. Would you do Nazem Kadri, Bowen Byram, and two first-round picks for Jack Eichel? No. Bo- really? Bo- I, would, I, would, I would sign that in a heartbeat. Give me uh, a- Byram, I, I'd have a hard time giving that. With Eichel, I have to know he's healthy. With if, Right, right. If, yeah. Okay, let's say hypothetically you know he's healthy for the end throughout his, his contract. You're getting a top five center in the NHL to play on your second line. Uh that's a this is a, it's a solid question. It's at least something for me to, to think. I just about. think you do really need Bowen Byron moving forward for the next five seasons. I mean, you? that's that's the thing. We don't know yet. We don't know how good Bo Byram's gonna be. I mean, if we if we do trade for Jack Eichel, we're gonna have a hell of a time convincing Buffalo to not have him as part of a package. But I mean, it's either Byram or Newhook. You're losing one of them for sure, guaranteed if you're trading for Eichel. Man, I think I think. Byram just had. If I have to choose one to give up, I'd give up Newhook instead. But 
Yeah, but then if you're Buffalo, do you take Eichel or do you take Kadri and Newhook? Why do you want them both? Right. So you're not taking Kadri, then you're taking Newhook and probably what three first rounders, like or Justin like, Barrett. When like the first round, would that would those even? It would pretty much just be Byram for Eichel straight up and some some late round pick, probably back to back thirty second overall picks. Hopefully, if you're getting Eichel and McKinnon together, exactly. But, I mean, yeah, Eichel signed for all that term. And then you're going to have the McKinnon contract to deal with. It's, certain, it's certainly something to think about. I, Who cares? I, it's win now. It's win it's, now. Trade for Jack. But can you? That's the thing. With all that money locked into a couple guys, with Ranton and making just below 10, McCarr probably making just below 10, McKinnon hey, eventually. You deal, with making, that, you deal with that two years from now. You make this a two-year window with Eichel, McKinnon, and Ranton signed in, and uh, you go with it. Maybe so. I mean – that would certainly be a lot of fun in a, in a no salary cap world. I would say, yes, absolutely do that. But I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to think about that a little more. My, my gut reaction, I think would be no. It's just you have. So, so if Buffalo retains salary, then you're all in Buffalo. Oh yeah. Buffalo retains salary. Then you're all in on that. That's a completely different situation. But if you have McKinnon and he's going to be making that ridiculous amount of money, I think you can find an option at second line center if it's not Nazem Kadri for maybe even half the price that can still take you to the promised land. And you still have Bo Byram on his entry level deal for the next little while. And it's, a, it's an interesting question, definitely. I, I don't know. Because well, re- re- realistically, where do you have Bo Byram playing next season? Third pair? Third pair, it depends on Eric Johnson for the most part. If Eric Johnson is not here or he's dealing with injuries like he usually is for the most part, I mean, you could see Byram with Gerard or Taze. I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a very telling year for just how close Bo Byram is to, to being a regular. If he's consistently top four, then, I mean. I don't know if you can put him in the top four. That's my only thing is because he's so small. Yeah. Gerard and Byram, such a tiny pair. Yeah, no, I was, I mean, I was literally just about to say that I would prefer Johnson or Orion Suter at that point, and probably be better to have Byram on the third pair anyway, just to, you don't want to rush him right in right away. You, you don't Jack, have to. So you're trading a third pair defenseman for Jack Eichel. Sign yeah, up. but he's not going to stay <laughs> that way. I mean. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But I'm just saying that's what it's going to cost if you want Jack yeah. Eichel. I think if I have to choose one guy from the Sabres, it would, it would be Reinhardt. I think that's just, especially without Landeskog, I think that's a fit. I, All I right. So Reinhardt. new, new hook and a first for Reinhardt. You do that. New, new hook and a first. How, how long is Reinhardt signed again? I don't remember. I'd have to find that real quick. If he's signed, right he's an RFA right now. Uh, he is Reinhardt. He's, yes. He's an RFA. He's an RFA right now. I mean, so he probably gets five, Point five, I, think, I guess something like that. I, I would do it. I would do it. New hook and a first. I mean, if we're talking this first, that's twenty eighth overall. That might just be nothing. So, and that's and that's if Landeskog walks. We're not saying yeah. Like, that's if Landeskog walks. Yeah. Maybe maybe also if he doesn't. That, that's yeah, neither here nor there. Maybe just pure fun tickets. But new hook, he's going to be really good. He's probably next year, not this next season, but after that, going to be our two C after Kadri leaves, but. You can find you can find guys to replace that, especially if you're getting a guy like Reinhardt to plug in on your top pair with McKinnon and Ranton. And that's a that's a lethal do. I think I'd do that one. 
Yeah, me too. And I guess that's another thing we want them to take Don Scoy so that new hook can stay in the third line role. Cause without Comfer, uh, like if Kadri misses any time, it's just new hooks. Now your second line center. Yeah. I think there's, this is going to be an interesting free agency to, to say the least with the avalanche. I mean, just even taking Landis cog out of the equation, there's, there's going to be some holes to fill and they're depending on the contracts, they might have the money to fill it. It's, like I said, this is going to be a lot of fun. Then this time, well, one saying? last question before I uh, before we get out of here. If let's say McKinnon's off the table, who do you take as your next captain of the Avalanche? Next captain, if McKinnon is off the table, I guess I've like never if he's just it. like I don't want the C. I don't want the C. That's an interesting question. I mean, I love Miko Rantanen, and he seems he's not doesn't strike me as like a, a leader kind of guy but just kind of like as the the fun guy that everyone really loves in the locker room. I don't think anyone would hate him having the C. I mean, I'm not in the locker room. I can't really say who's the the real leader there outside of Landskog, but if McKinnon turns that down, you kind of have to to go down the list and I would probably if Eric Johnson stays, it would probably be him, right? He's the other alternate captain, but that's if he stays. See, if, if it's me, I'm giving it to Kale McCarr. Little quiet defenseman. You're going to be with us for 15 more seasons. Take the CD, buddy. Yeah, I mean that would certainly be some. That would certainly be something if we gave that to McCarr as well. That'd be a lot of fun. He probably gets the A. Like if Eric Johnson's out of the lineup and McKinnon gets the C, it's probably Ranton and McCarr with the A's, or maybe oh, they yeah. get it to Devontae's. Yeah, I mean, it it depends, but it'll definitely be someone on the back end getting a name and Taze has been here for technically McCarr has been here longer than Taze has I think McCarr would get the nod there we'll see it'll be fun I mean I don't want Lance to leave but if he does I'll be sad and there'll be some fun discussions yeah I mean I I never thought we would be here but this uh, it's an eventuality we might have to prepare for as soon as Wednesday apparently Landis Cog could be a member of the Kraken by the by the end of the draft yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Hopefully he's not, but if they take him, then whatever. Seattle Kraken, first captain, Gabriel Landeskog. Yeah, I'll be I'll be the first guy to buy a jersey. But, Drew, thanks so much for coming on today. Thanks for carving out the time for us. Please plug any of your stuff, what's going on with Sportsnet. Uh, like I said earlier in the show, Wednesday night, live expansion draft uh, with Steve Dangle. Uh, after that, we got the free agency coming up in draft, so you'll see all of our content coming out as things happen. As Landis Talk signs of the Blues, we'll have an instant reaction video with Steve Dangle. So uh, yeah, tune I'll, in for that. I'll have I'll have plenty of my own reaction to that as well. But Drew, thank you so much for coming on. We really do appreciate it and hope we can see you again soon. Where hopefully Gabe Landeskog is still a member of the Avalanche next time we talk. Yes, for sure. Thanks for having me. And that was Drew Livingstone of Sportsnet. Always a pleasure to have him on the show. Just a total blast to talk to, and he knows his shit for sure. So thanks again to him for making the time to come on the show. That'll be a wrap on part one. Now moving on to part two of today's episode, post-expansion draft. The Seattle Kraken have their team. The expansion draft is done and in the books, and... uh. It's kind of been done since about noon. The expansion draft was at 8 p.m. Eastern time, but we knew pretty much every important pick by noon. As you might remember, uh, me and Drew were talking about, man, 
I hope they don't spoil the entire thing. And I, I compared it to Vegas. Like, man, they spoiled some of the Vegas draft. Uh, the Vegas draft was like, was like the Super Bowl compared to this. Every single pick was spoiled for the Seattle draft. I've, I'm not making that up. With Vegas, it was a it was a couple like James Neal, Mark Andre Fleury, Nate Schmidt. I don't even remember the other ones. For this one, we went thirty for thirty. All of them were spoiled. Every single one. It started with Tanev, then the price news came out, then Tarasenko wasn't going there and was believed to be done, and it just trickled in over the next two hours or so. Frank Saravelli was just batting a thousand. Much to the dismay, I think, of everyone who was looking forward to the draft, and probably to ESPN and the NHL, because I was do I was doing a live stream with a lot of the guys at the Hockey Podcast Network just to to shoot the shit and talk about the draft. We had like there was no point even watching it. There was nothing to talk about. Like this was free, and I want my money back. This might have been the worst hockey event I watched in a while because there was nothing. There were no trades. The Seattle Kraken made absolutely zero side deals, and we knew every single pick. Like, there was not a single surprise. It literally just went by the numbers. The, the most interesting thing was, were we going to get to the draft before... It, the, the Detroit pick got spoiled, and the answer was no, we would not, because they took Dennis Cholowski, and that got spoiled two hours before the draft. So we were able to make it to 6 p.m. Eastern time before we went a full 30 for 30 on the leaks. I mean, just how does that happen? Man, I know how it happens. It's not as simple as just, oh, there's leaks in the Seattle room. The players got to know. Their agents got to know. The teams got to know. There's plenty of sources out there, but just they re- they submitted the picks at 10 a.m. on Wednesday morning. The expansion draft was not until 8 p.m. Eastern time. That's a 10-hour gap for the leaks to come out. Like we don't know when there's going to be another expansion draft. If there's ever going to be another expansion draft, I'm sure there'll be one at some point. But it might be a long, long time before there's another one. That was brutal. That was brutally bad. Uh, man, what a what a mess. We looked forward to that for two and a half years, and what a letdown. And the, the picks themselves are a bit baffling. There's some of them on there that are fine, but I think the Kraken did not do that well in this. I don't think they did very well because... This team just doesn't look very good. And like I said, they made no side deals. What made Vegas special was they made all their side deals. They got Marcia So and Smith. And yeah, I know teams learned, but like not one. You didn't get a, you didn't get a pick. You didn't get nothing to protect a guy. Like you were so hard fast on your your first and third to protect players that teams just made side deals without you and you didn't get anything. And you you just like you took John Quenville and Gavin Bayreuther, who are upcoming UFAs that might not even sign with Seattle, and are like like they signed some UFAs, but they signed them. These guys are still upcoming UFAs, and you're you didn't even get like a third, like a second or any like a, a draft pick to take those guys. Like that, those are the guys you wanted. Like Gavin Bayreuther, they took him from Columbus, and. 
he's an upcoming UFA. They could have taken Max Domi, and I saw some rumors that they weren't going to take him, so I, I immediately assumed, oh, so they'll take Kevin Stenland instead, right? Columbus has some guys exposed. They've got Dean Kukan. They've got Kevin Stenland, like I said. Like, they've got guys. They chose... Gavin Bayreuther, a 27-year-old defenseman, has he, like, honest question, has Gavin Bayreuther ever played? He's played, what is that? Do the math in my head, bad idea. 28 games in the NHL, 9 last season. He has 6 career points in 28 games. That's the guy you're taking and you're not getting anything in return? And with John Quenville, they could have taken Zadorov or Dahan. I, I just... I don't I don't see this one with with Vegas like I said it was bad at the time but I didn't realize William Carlson was going to be good and the guys they got were going to be good and all the draft picks that they got like that flew under the radar as a better draft than we thought it was but I I got to be honest man I don't I don't see this one but as for what the Kraken did with the Colorado Avalanche uh they didn't goof this one up they take Jonas Donskoy. Jonas Gonskoy, he is now a member of the Seattle Kraken. And uh, from what I'm seeing, probably going to plug right into their top six, if not their top line. I mean, surprisingly enough, they did all right on the right wing. Jordan Everly, Jonas Donskoy, Mason Appleton, Tyler Pitlick. Seems like they did all right on the right wing department. They have no centers. They have Jared McCann. Colin Blackwell, Morgan Geeky, and Nathan Bastion, and I'd say Blackwell and Geeky are really the only centers, but Donskoy, we talked about this before, I'm not surprised that they took him, solid scorer, if he keeps up his shooting percentages, I think he'll be the kind of player that will work really well with increased minutes in Seattle, but as for the Avalanche, uh, they now have the fourth most cap space in the NHL, more than teams like Ottawa, even Minnesota after their buyouts. The only teams with more cap space than them are the New Jersey Devils, the Buffalo Sabres, and the Detroit Wed Wings. The, the Wed Wings, wow. Wed Wings, silly wabbit. New Jersey Devils, Buffalo Sabres, Detroit Red Wings. Colorado now has $30 million in cap space, and they need to use that money to sign Kale McCarr, and maybe, just maybe, that's enough money to find room for Landeskog and what he's asking for. I just, I still don't know what Landeskog. There's no new updates. Everything you heard in the conversation with Drew is up to date with Landeskog. He's not a member of the Kraken. They didn't sign him. He's, his rights still belong to the Avalanche. No new news on that front. The roster freeze lifts tomorrow, so maybe we'll hear some talks about that by then but they got 30 million in cap space to play with and some a lot of that's let I me mean, a lot of that's going to go very quickly McCarr minimum 9 million Grubauer coming in at around six that's 15 million right there that's half of it already gone let's say 7 million goes to Landeskog we got 8 million left you still have to sign Jost that's let's say 2 million or something. I don't know. So they'll have room to do things even after their big contracts. Does that mean you can bring back Brandon Saad? Does that mean you can go out 
and play in the free agent market, I mean, you're going to have to go out and replace Landeskog. That's that's just something you're going to have to do. Because, say you, re, say you re-sign Landeskog, you plug him back in on the top line. Landeskog, McKinnon, Rantanen. Second line is, let's say, Burakovsky, Kadri, Nichushkin. That's not good enough. You're going you're gonna to need to find a replacement there. Third line... You have probably Logan O'Connor, Jost, and Comfort. Like you're you're gonna need to find some upgrades on the wings, and I don't think Sampo Ranta or Martin Kaut are gonna be ready to to jump back in there yet. You're gonna need to re-sign Assad or find some efficient guys on the market. Like I I think Joe Sakic has to be working on something big. It's like Drew said, especially if we lose Landeskog, there is a bomb coming here. With the Avalanche, there's there's got to be more in the works here. I mean, starting now, essentially, basically, by the time I'm recording this, we're less than 12 hours away from the roster freeze lifting. This is when it is supposed to get crazy. The expansion draft was a little disappointing, but Seattle can still make moves, and it's rumored that there are moves with them coming. And everyone else, like the expansion draft, is done. It's over. Seattle's in the league. That cloud is not hanging over anybody's head anymore. You don't have to worry about protection slots. That is over and done with for the long foreseeable future. The moves and the floodgates are going to open up, and I want to see what Joe Sackick has up his sleeve because this is not going to be as straightforward as an offseason as I thought, or at least it doesn't look like it. Landis is going to be a challenge. Makar, I think, is going to get done soon. Grubauer, signs point to positive that he'll come back. All of that can change. I might be absolutely dead wrong on that, but only time will tell. And we've got Ryan Graves off the books. Jonas Donskoy, 3.9 off the books. That's about... That's just short of $7 million in extra cap space to play with. Instead of just losing Graves for nothing, we got two guys off the books for that kind of money, and now we can continue to work with that. And Sackick, like I said, has his work cut out for him a little bit. This is not going to be the same team. And the guy I like the most, Jamie Alexiak, is off the market for a big, big deal that the Avalanche would not be able to sign him to. He is going to the Seattle Kraken at a $4.6 million cap hit for the next five years. I mean, that's not a bad deal, but we could not do that. We could not do that for Alexiak. But yeah, Sakic, he's he's going to have some work to do with this team. I'm very interested to see what comes next with him. And the next big event is the NHL draft coming up on Friday. And I got to be completely honest with you. I am totally out to lunch with this draft. I have been so wrapped up in expansion that I have barely even begun to look. So what I can tell you is that the Avalanche right now currently own the 28th pick in the draft. And outside of that, they own the 61st pick in the draft as well. Courtesy of the Ryan Graves trade, they got the 61st overall pick and Mikhail Maltsev, they also own their third 
round pick at 92nd overall, and then they do not pick until the seventh round at 220. So, the, so to run through that again, they have pick number 28, pick number 61, pick number 92, and pick number 220. And like I was saying with Drew, my one opinion on this draft for the Avalanche is I think they should trade back from that 28th overall pick, acquire another pick or two down the line, and just get as many shots at this lottery as you can. Because I'm out to lunch just because there's been so little analysis that I have just haven't been able to really read it. And it seems to be the same across the board. No one really knows what's going on because there was not a lot of hockey played. And there's going to be guys that slip through the cracks and get taken later in the draft. So I think you trade out of the first round. You acquire more third, fourth round picks if you can. If you can. Just get as many of those as possible. And just get as many of those lottery tickets as you can. Pick the guys that you think have the highest ceilings, which... As, we, as they've said, they are going to do with the 28th overall pick. If they keep it or any of their picks, they're not picking by position. They're going to pick the best player available, which is what you should do in hockey. This is not football. This is not basketball where the guys are ready in the same year. This is the NHL where guys you're picking at below five, if that even, are not going to be ready realistically if you're lucky in four years, your positional needs couldn't completely change by then. You need to pick the best players available. And if if it just so happens that you have a surplus at, let's say, defensemen, and you picked the best player in each draft, which was the defenseman at that time, you can trade him to a team and fill one of your weaknesses with something else. Like, get the best players. You either get them and have a good player... Or you can trade that good player as an asset for something that will help you. Like, the only time you should be picking by need is if you are just completely and utterly barren at a certain position. Like, if the Avalanche had not picked a, a center in the last five years, I'd go, okay, maybe you get a center here just because you literally don't have any. But with the Avs and looking at their prospect core... They're still doing all right on pretty much everything. Obviously, we have Alex Newhook coming soon to to that center slot, probably as soon as this season. We have guys on the wing with Sampo Ranta and Martin Kaut on the way soon. We just drafted Justin Barron. We obviously have Bo Byram. Alex, I can never pronounce this poor guy's name. Alex Bocage, Bucage. I really don't know how to pronounce that one on the wings. Drew Hellison on defense maybe our goaltending depth could be a little better but that's not something you really focus on the third round maybe take some swings at some guys in the later rounds just because you never know with goaltending it's really just a crapshoot at that point but as for needs which don't really even matter to a team like the avalanche in the entry draft not really a ton of them for a team in the midst of their competition window uh, they're still doing pretty damn well. The fact that they're even top 15 in prospect pools is pretty damn remarkable to even consider. And it's, an, a, it's a testament to how well they've done in recent drafts with getting Byram 
and finding a new hook in the middle of the draft in the same draft and drafting a Drew Hellison and having Justin Barron fall to them last year. But we'll even see if the Avalanche even have the 28th overall pick by the time the draft rolls around. I mean, with all these moves coming down the wing, we might just trade that pick straight up for a player. I, like I said, I think they trade back for it. I think that's a good idea. Just trade back and get as many of those picks as you can. But we'll see. I don't think this draft is going to end up being that important for Colorado. Next year is probably going to be one of the better drafts we've seen in a minute. This one's just kind of a stopgap until then, and also a, a throwaway year for scouts with the, the pandemic slowing everything down. But uh, as for the rest of the draft, Buffalo with the first pick, Seattle with the second, the Ducks with the third. From what I understand, it seems like Owen Power has momentum to go at number one. Bob McKenzie and the scouts he interviewed unanimously have him at number one. I'm not going to pretend I am even remotely smart enough or knowledgeable enough to dispute that, but I wouldn't be surprised to see if William Eklund went in the top two. From what I understand, he is very skilled, one of the more complete players of the draft with very high hockey sense. Matthew Beniers also seems like a solid bet to go in the top three. From what I understand, maybe not a top first-line potential center. I've seen a comparison to Bo Horvat out there. And pretty much outside of that, I, I gotta be honest, I just don't have much of a knowledge of prospects. That is, as I've said before on the show, that's my weakness. That's my, that's my blind spot. I rely on much smarter people than myself to educate me about that because I just don't have the time a lot of the time to watch college games and all the, the junior games and everything. I rely on smarter people like Corey Promen to to get me caught up on those but it should be an interesting night we'll see if this one actually has trades unlike several of the previous years just because there's going to be such a backup on trades that GMs are actually going to have to start talking now and some of those trades might come during the draft I mean I don't know about during the draft draft time trades always get overhyped as like oh this trade's going to break during the draft they happen like maybe once every Five years something happens during the draft like a like a Horvat for Corey Schneider trade outside of that I, like what even was the last one I think the last one that I can remember was Braden Shen going to the Blues from the Flyers for I what was it two first round picks or something from what from what I remember that was the last Big one. I, I'm talking day one because day two had the Dougie Hamilton trade to Calgary a few, no, from Calgary to Carolina a few years ago. Day one, I think the last one was Braden Shen. I mean, obviously there's pick swaps all the time and everything, but on draft day, there could be a lot of stuff coming. Like I said, this this stretch between now with the, the trade freeze lifting and the roster freeze lifting, the entry draft all the way to free agency is going to be... I mean, I hope I'm not getting fooled on this again because I was already let down by the expansion draft, but this should be one of the most interesting off-seasons we've seen in a long time with all the the trades that are supposed to happen, all the moves that are rumored. I, I hope this doesn't let me down. If this off-season sucks, 
I, I, I will never get excited for another offseason again because it can, it can, the potential here cannot get better. Better. What is wrong with me? Better. Better. The potential for a good offseason cannot get better than this one here with the expansion draft, with the flat salary cap, with all the big names on the market like Eichel and the like and Tarasenko. This has to be good. Free agency. Hoping that Landeskog makes it a little less interesting and stays, but outside of him, this should also be a very interesting free agency as well. And then, once all that's done, I mean, and there's still going to be some trickle-down effect after free agency opens, there's still going to be free agency signings and trades that come in a little bit, but this, like, 10 to 8-day stretch is going to be the most interesting, but after that, Maybe finally we have a little bit of downtime, but even after that, training camp opens in September, and it's going to be August when that stuff opens. We're only going to have a couple weeks off before things start back up again. This is part of the reason it was a condensed season. The Stanley Cup was only just handed out like a week or two ago. Like, weird, offseason hasn't even begun, and in a normal year, we'd We'd almost be reaching like the dead zone of August where absolutely nothing happens, but right now it'd kind of be a dead zone as well. The end of July usually doesn't have anything happening. We usually have like a month and a half of just dead time where absolutely nothing happens. There's going to be a lot less of that, and we're going to be turning right back around and getting right back into the season. So this should be a lot of fun. But as for right now, that's about all I got for this edition of the Tell It As It Is podcast. Thank you all so much once again for tuning in. Busy episode, and it's, on, it's only going to get busier from here, or at least I hope. I, I really, really hope this offseason is not a letdown. I hope we get an answer on Landis Gog soon. I hope it's positive, but until then... Thank you all so much for tuning in. I have been your host, Griffin Youngs, and I will talk to you all next time. Enjoy the rest of your week.